pad of paper and sit down and get ready to have a Bible study with me, Evangelist Len Paxton. I love you and I look forward to you in the Bible study. Praise the Lord and welcome to the telecast this week. Uh, last week, I very clumsily tried to share with you the proper object for the faith of a believer. We're not talking here about natural faith that the world has. That's faith in, in your own ability or faith in faith, faith in formulas, faith in rituals, faith in ceremony. None of that is Bible faith. Bible faith has an object and not an ambiguous object. Bible faith is not some force. It's not some uh, spooky something or other. Bible faith is that which is focused on the object of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. And we told you that when we as believers properly place our faith in what Jesus finished at the cross, and when we use the term cross, we are presupposing the term resurrection also and including that in there. Amen. When we place our faith properly in what Jesus did at Calvary, that guarantees us the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The cross, our faith, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit comes and He does for the believer what is needed according to the will of God. Amen. So, sometimes uh, we need healing. Sometimes we need material prosperity. Sometimes we need uh, spiritual blessings uh, of whatever sort. Sometimes we need victory over sin. And, and when we say sin, it's not just the big five. Okay, smoking, drinking, fighting, gambling, murder, etc., etc. Uh, let me tell you something. Envy is a sin. Jealousy is a sin. Covetousness is a sin. Wanting everything that everybody else has, lusting after what other people have—that's a sin. You name it. If it's if it's if it's in the Word of God as a sin, Christ paid for it at Calvary, and you and I can walk free of it. I said free of it, totally free of it. And anything that the believer needs comes as a result of the cross. Okay? Now, we want to leave that there for right now and deal with a very important question that many people who hear the message of the cross, many people would ask the question, well, what is the proper place for our works then? Aren't we supposed to do good works? What is... The, the proper perspective on works. Now, we cannot answer the entirety of that question in one 30-minute program. There's very, uh, there's several passages of Scripture that we would need to look at. Today, we're just going to give you a brief diagram, and I may even have to step off the screen a couple of times so that you can see uh, the board that is behind me. We want to give you a basic foundation for how God wants to operate in our lives and produce good works through us. You see, as a believer, you are known by your fruit. As a believer, you are to be bearing fruit. And the key to bearing fruit, according to the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, is you and I abiding in the vine. Amen? 
Well, abiding in the vine means that as we abide in Christ, the life of Christ is produced in us and lived out through us. And that is called the sanctification process. And every believer is somewhere in that process. Amen? The the weakest believer, the frailest believer, is somewhere in that process. I want to briefly explain, if the Lord will help me to do it, that sanctification process. Now let me say a few things hurriedly before we read some Scripture. Um, When we come to Christ as a believing sinner, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells us that we are sanctified, we are justified, we are washed. Amen? And we don't want to get into all the theology of that on this program. But there, that is positional sanctification. As far as God is concerned right now, beloved, if you have placed your faith in the finished work upon, of Christ upon the cross, you are sanctified. That is positional sanctification. That is your position. Now, immediately, immediately in our life, the Holy Spirit wants to go to work in us to bring our condition, the the way we're living today, up to our position. And there is a process that that occurs by, and that's what we want to look at today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, we're going to start uh, verse 8 and read through verse 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? Let let me read that again because I left out a part. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, who? Who's we? Christians, the believers. When we're born again, we are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. Okay, so remember I, I spoke to you last week about let's don't get the cart before the horse. Okay, Our good works do not take us to God, but as a result of us walking with God through Christ, as a result of our faith being properly placed in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, the Holy Spirit immediately embarks upon a course in the life of every believer to bring our condition up to our position. It's called progressive sanctification. That's what we want to talk to you about today. It's not by works. You don't, just like you don't work to get saved, you can't work to get sanctified. It is, a, it is an operation totally of the Holy Spirit of God. And the only way it can work as it is designed to in our lives is if the object of our faith is correct. And that's, of course, as we have said, the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Now I'm going to go over here and get a diagram and step back off the screen just for a minute. You can see my head leaving it there. And um, then we want to take advantage of this little diagram 
I'm going to have to draw it big so that you can see it. Alright? Right there we have God. Let me explain to you how this process works. God. And the first thing that God does with a person is God will reveal to you. God will reveal to you you, you are a sinner. You're right here. See, that's you. That's me. Okay? There's, there's God, there's me. The first thing that God will do is He will reveal that we are sinners and we need a Savior. And He will tell us and show us that the way we are to be saved is by what Jesus did at Calvary. Can you see that there? When the, when the believing sinner or when the sinner, the repentant sinner, puts his faith in the cross, this is the object of faith, and the, the, the repentant sinner puts his faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, and understand now that the cross, we're going to write it over here, is the way to God. And God has revealed that to you. The cross is the way to God. And you understand that. And you see that as it's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. He has convicted you of your sin. You are a sinner, so you place your faith in the, the cross of Christ and what the work that He there did, which was pay the sin debt and break the power of sin over our lives. Okay. Now, that cross in our faith and it puts us back in right relationship with God. When we were sinners, we were separated from God. And yet, oh hallelujah, in His great love for us, He chose to reveal Himself to us and He also revealed to us the way of salvation, which is the cross. So when we place our faith in that cross, then our relationship to God is restored. Okay? Now, God sends you grace. Can you see that there? He sends you grace. He sends you the help of the Holy Spirit. You see that? Now watch. Let's watch. Man, man is a sinner. Man is separated from God. There's a barrier there. That barrier is sin. A holy God cannot look upon sin, cannot stand in the presence of sin. So, God in His great love, not wanting you to go to hell, not wanting you to perish, revealed Himself to you. And He revealed to you the fact that you are separated from Him and you are a sinner. And He revealed to you that your way of salvation, the only way of salvation, is what Jesus did at the cross. He, the cross is the way to God. You, as a repentant sinner, placed your faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. When you did that, God, your, your relationship with God is now restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God can now once again 
Because of the sacrifice of Jesus upon the cross, God can have fellowship with man. Hallelujah. Once again. Now, now, the believing sinner properly placed faith in what Jesus did at the cross, restored fellowship with God, God sends you grace, and God sends you the help of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Once your heart is changed, good works are then created in you because you are the workmanship of Christ. Now, over here, let's let's go through it again quickly. You were separated from God. God loved you so much. He revealed Himself to you. You placed your faith in the cross. Hallelujah. You see, God had to reveal to man that man needs a Savior. And God had to reveal to us that we need the cross. And when we place our faith, hallelujah, in what Jesus did at Calvary, our fellowship with God is put back together and restored. And once again, God can walk with man. That's good gospel news. Hallelujah. Now, God sends us grace to live by. He sends us grace to save us, and He sends us grace to sanctify us. He sends us the guaranteed help of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we placed our faith in the proper object, which was the finished work of Christ upon the the cross. Now, God changes the heart of the individual. He changes my heart. He changes your heart. And He produces in that heart through a new source of life. Romans 6.4 tells us the very heart, the very life of Jesus Christ in the believer. That's the Holy Spirit's purpose and that's sanctification. Now, as a result of that changed heart, changed life, comes from the believer what we will call here good works. And that's Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you are in Christ Jesus, these works are going to flow from your life. But it's going to be Spirit-directed, Spirit-led. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God, the Bible says. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and does a work. Let me, let me list some of those works for you. Prayer. Prayer. Church attendance. And not, not just when you feel like it. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit doesn't produce that kind of, well, I feel like it today. He doesn't produce that in the life of a believer. He produces a hunger and a longing for you to get to the house of God, to be with God's people and hear the Word and worship. Well, I can do all that at home. Yeah, but that's not a proper produced work of the Spirit. And we can prove that to you by several Scriptures, okay? I can tell I've also... Listen, if you want to write me and, and, and correct me on that, put your crayons away. I'm telling you, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Church attendance is a good work that a believer 
will have flowing from His life upon the work of the Spirit being in that believer's life. Giving. Giving. That is a work of the Spirit. Paul, in 2 Corinthians, I believe, called it a grace. Paul called giving a grace that comes from God. It's a work in the heart of the believer. It's a good work. Bible study. Bible study. And we could go on and on and on and on and name you more and more and more and more good works that you and I should do. God has ordained that we do it. It's part of being sanctified. But listen, it's not a struggle when the Holy Spirit is in control. If we'll uh, properly place our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, God gives us these graces. He performs in us and through us these good works. I'll ask you. Now, Now remember... I told you that the main function of the Holy Spirit immediately upon your salvation, He embarks upon a course to conform you to the image of Christ. I'll ask you, did Jesus pray? Did Jesus go to synagogue? Did He go to church? Did Jesus give? Did Jesus study the Word of the Lord? Did, was Jesus kind to people? Was He filled with compassion? Amen? All of those things. Yes, He was. He was all of that and more. So much more. Well, then that's what you and I should be conformed into. But it's not by self-effort on our part. It is a work of the Holy Spirit as we properly place our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. Now listen, it's no such thing as you or I being a believer, but we have no desire to read the Word of God. If that describes you, you're totally in the flesh today. Oh yeah, you're saved. You're saved. But the desire of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit produced in the life of a believer would be, man, I want to know what God's Word says. It's it's no such thing as the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis letting you sleep in or go to the football game on Sunday instead of going to Sunday evening service. It's just not there. The, The Spirit of God produces a hunger for you to get involved in worship and hearing the Word of the Lord preached. Oh yeah, you're saved. You might just be dominated by the flesh, by self-effort. Well, I won't go tonight, but I'll do this good thing. I didn't have time to read my Bible today, but I'll do this good thing, and that'll that'll make it alright. No. We, We need to operate by the works that the Holy Spirit creates in us. We are His workmanship. I really don't have... Let me let me say this. Oh, praise the Lord. I really don't have the right to decide whether I'm too tired to go or not to church. I really don't have the right to decide. Why? Because I am His workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. Hey, Paxton did not come up with this doctrine. This is Ephesians 2 and 10. My simple, simple requirement is to yield myself 
to the Holy Spirit. I need to know this. I need to reckon myself to be back in relationship with God. No longer do I order my life according to the sin nature. And I need to yield to the grace of God and to the Holy Spirit. And when I do that, Ephesians 2.10 becomes a reality in my life. I'll help little old ladies across the street. I'll be kind to children and, and small animals. I will, uh, I will love my wife. I will, I will love you as a fellow believer. I will have a, a heart to reach the world for Christ. I'll be in church, praise God, because I love the people of the Lord. And I love to worship. I will give to see the Gospel preached. Amen. Why? Not because it's a good thing to do, but because that's what the Holy Spirit is producing within me. I don't need to make it a law that I live by. I don't, I don't live by it as a law. I function in it because it's who I am. It's my new nature. It's the divine nature. It is Ephesians 2.10 in my heart and life. Oh, I get excited about this because as long as my faith is in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, the effectual working power of the Holy Spirit works in my life to perfect my faith and effect my sanctification. Let me say that again. As long as my faith is properly placed in what Jesus did at Calvary, the effectual working power of the Holy Spirit is operating in my life, perfecting my faith, hallelujah, and effecting my sanctification, praise God. And I am becoming, I am becoming, I, I am becoming what God wants Lam Paxton to be. And this is the process right here, basically. Forgive my crude drawing. It isn't very good. But I hope it helped to explain some of that process to you. You see, we, as believers, we don't operate under law. We don't, we don't have to make these good works, prayer, church tennis, giving, Bible study, uh, helping others, loving others, whatever. We don't make that a law because the law, you know, if it becomes a law to us, it has no power to produce itself. It has no power to become a reality in our life. But if the Holy Spirit's giving it to us, if the Holy Spirit's doing it in us, then it's the divine nature. Then it's not a struggle. It's not, it's, it's not a battle anymore. It's the Holy Spirit working. You see, I am a human being, not a human doing. I am a human being, not a human doing. I am a human being that God wants to produce good works in. And the cross is the way. And the Bible says you shall know them by their fruits. Amen? So how do I get the proper works in my life that I need to have as a believer? And how do I know that my life is pleasing to the Lord? Simply, I put my faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. I trust completely in that and nothing else. And then the Holy Spirit begins to produce these things in me. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. And I become the person that God wants and desires me to be. 
Amen. And I don't. And, and Romans eight and one says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I don't walk trying to produce prayer, church attendance, giving, Bible study. I don't try to work it up and produce it in my own life. I walk after the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces it in my life. And it's pleasing to God. And it takes me into victory. It makes me an overcomer. What? The works? No. The faith. The faith. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. Glory be to God. Now, in 30 minutes of time, we explain it poorly, I'm sure. But if you can get that basic function down in your heart and life, and if you can understand the proper perspective for your good works, then you can see how God wants to use you, my friend, to change your world. God wants to use you. God wants to use His church to bring His message. What is that message? The cross of Christ to a lost and dying and hurting and bleeding and tormented world today. And he, God has a specific part for you and I to plug. God has a work for you to do for Him, neighbor, that only you can accomplish. Two things I'd like to tell you about that. Number one, learn this process. Learn this process. Learn what we taught you last week, the cross, my faith, and the Holy Spirit. Learn that if, I, if my faith is properly placed in what Jesus did at the cross, it guarantees me the help of the Holy Spirit. Learn the proper place and how, the, and how it is that we go about arriving at the good works that we're supposed to be walking in. Amen? And the second thing I'd like to, to tell you concerning this, God wants to use you, man. Get hooked up to a local church. Get connected to a body. And when you serve God, serve God. Don't just halfway do it. Praise the Lord. Give it 100%, man. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I mean, if you ain't, if, 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 if you ain't got to work or, or if, if there's not an emergency, man, get in there. Go to church. Love the Lord. Go Sunday morning. Go Sunday night. Go Wednesday night or whatever uh, time your midweek service is. Go to Bible studies. Fellowship with other believers. Amen. Teach them some of what we're teaching you here. Hallelujah. Tell them about this program. Y'all get together and sit and watch us together. And let God make in you what He wants you to be. You'll never do it in the energy of self or flesh or self-effort. Amen? Learn the process. Hallelujah to the Lamb. God has a plan for your life that only you can accomplish. That only you can fulfill. And this is the step into it. Properly placed faith produces, guarantees the Holy Spirit conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for being with us tonight for the Lem Paxton teaching. Praise the Lord and welcome to the telecast this week. Um, on this week's broadcast, I kind of want to take you uh, back uh, to a broadcast that we did a couple of weeks ago 
regarding the process that the Lord uses in our lives to conform us into the image of Christ. I'm concerned that that uh, we really cannot repeat that uh, in our teaching enough uh, because repetition is the best teacher. And the more we look, look at it, and from different angles that we look at it, and from different perspectives from the Word of God, the more it gets into our spirit being, and we begin to understand God's prescribed order for victory, and for all blessings that would come into our lives as believers. Now, as we start the program today, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Philippians. And I'm going to be reading a couple of scriptures. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. We'll start there. The Bible says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, the Lord has started a good work in your heart and life. The very moment that you made Him your Savior, your Lord, He, the Holy Spirit immediately embarked upon a course of conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. And God will be faithful at all costs. Amen? to complete that task, to complete that assignment. The Holy Spirit has an assignment where each of our lives is concerned and God will be faithful to get us from where we are conditionally to where we are positionally if we will yield to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do so. Amen? Now let's also look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 Verse 13, Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you. Notice who is doing the works. It is God which worketh in you. The other verse said that he who began a good work in you. Well, that's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Upon salvation the Holy Spirit begins to do good work in us. And as we yield to that, we can begin to live the life of Jesus through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. It is God which worketh in you. Everybody say that. God is working in me. Say it again. God is working. Hallelujah. In me. Let me tell you something today, beloved. Nothing that is happening to you as a believer, nothing that is happening to you could possibly be any greater than what God is doing in you. Hallelujah. And remember, our responsibility is to yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Let me say this at the beginning of this program today. God has a perfect plan for your life. And God has a plan for your life that is well-pleasing to Him. If you'll turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, and in just a moment we'll read the 29th verse. God has a plan for every believer, and that plan is well-pleasing to Him. 
And today, once again, we want to look at that process, that introductory step into the plan of God for our hearts and lives, uh, the sanctification process, whereby upon the believer properly placing his faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, then the Holy Spirit comes in and completes the work in us. Hallelujah. And listen, if the Holy Spirit's doing a work in us, it's going to flow out from us as we live our daily lives. And that's very important because remember we've been talking to you about the proper place for good works in the life of a believer. There is a proper place for it. We are to perform good works. Let me, let me say this here. As Christians, uh, we are, in a sense, to keep the law of God. Now think about that. In a sense, as believers, we are to keep the law of God. The problem is, we cannot keep it. But you know what? Jesus kept it. Hallelujah. And as we identify with Him, then His perfect law keeping is credited to us. Oh, hallelujah. His righteousness is credited to the believing sinner. Hallelujah. His, his power of His resurrection is credited to us. It worketh in us effectually, the Bible says. If we maintain the proper object of faith, which is the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Now let's read uh, Romans 8.29. The Bible says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son. Amen. So we are predestined, beloved. We are predestined by God to be conformed, to be made into. Hallelujah. To be conformed and made into and fashioned into the very image of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah forever. Now, I want to say something about predestination. Uh, there's a lot of false doctrine that's being taught today, and, and it has been for forever, really, concerning predestination. Predestination simply refers to this. Once you become a believer, you see, the gospel, the good news of salvation is for everybody. Jesus did not die and provide a limited atonement. It's an unlimited atonement. The Bible says, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And that means you and that means me and that means the entire world. So it's an, it's an unlimited atonement. God does, God does not look down from heaven and predestinate, this one goes to heaven, this one goes to hell, this one goes to heaven, this one goes to hell. That's a lie. That's false doctrine. That's error. When the Bible speaks of predestination, it is talking about once you have accepted and received Christ and His perfect sacrifice on the cross. You are then predestined. God has elected. Grace has elected. Hallelujah. To send the Holy Spirit into your heart and life to change you to make you more like Jesus. To make you more like Christ. 
we are predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, that is a process of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that process again. I'm going to walk over here out of the screen and I'm going to grab my, uh, my notebook and uh, my marking pen. How does the Holy Spirit, and, and of course it's many ways, we're only dealing, uh, again let me say, we are only dealing with the introduction. There's many activities that the Holy Spirit performs in the heart and life of a Christian that we don't have time in these 30 minute broadcasts to really go into in depth. But I want you to see this drawing again uh, relative to how do you get started in the process. Because the starting place is the most important place. We've been talking to you about the proper and the correct object of our faith being the cross of Christ, which will produce the help of the Holy Spirit, which will produce victory in the life of a believer. Now, we start here with God. That, that's God, okay? And here is the sinner. Here's you, and here's me. Okay? Remember we showed you this before. Now, because of sin, there's a separation, there's a barrier, there's a blockage that prevents man from fellowshipping with God. God is so holy. He's the thrice holy God. Holy, 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 the Bible says. He cannot even look at sin. He cannot stand in the presence of sin. God cannot let sin come into His presence. So it formed a barrier. Man that was created in the very image of God and that God loves so much cannot have fellowship with God because of sin. And that sin originated in the Garden of Eden when Adam fell. Okay? But, for God so loved the world, oh hallelujah, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son to hang and bleed and die on the cross of Calvary. Amen? God loved you so much that He revealed Himself to you, and He revealed to you that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior, and God loved you so much that He then provided you with the Savior. God did not just look down from heaven one day and say, oh, you want to be saved? Go ahead, help yourself. You can figure out a way to do it. No, God provided the Savior. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. And God revealed to you that you are a sinner and you need Jesus Christ, and so you put your faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross and you were born again. Your heart was changed. Once you placed your faith in the, in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, that perfect sacrifice, now you can have fellowship with God again. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Are you following that so far? When fellowship is restored with God, God gives you grace. And the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
producing more change in you, conforming you to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. From, from that process, from the outflow of that process, follow me now, the believing sinner separated from God because of sin, God loving us so much that He revealed Christ to us that we might be saved. Hallelujah. We receive Christ by putting our faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. We are then restored into fellowship with God. The Bible says we're adopted into the family. Hallelujah. God gives us grace. God gives us the help of the Holy Spirit. That produces in our life a litany of good works. And we talk to you about those good works. Prayer, Bible study, church attendance, giving, loving, serving, ministering, volunteering, becoming a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Those works are to be an outflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And like I told you before, you might be uh, sitting there watching me today and you might say, well, Brother Paxton, there's an awful lot of stuff going on in my life. And, you know, I've got a lot of problems. I've had trouble lately being able to read the Word like I would like to. Or I, I don't go to church as often as I know I should. Um, I, I say I'm a committed believer, but I, I barely show up. And there's just so much going on. Listen, nothing that's happening to you is any greater than what God is doing in you if you have your faith properly placed in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Hallelujah. Amen? The cross must be the believer's object of faith. Now, our faith must not be placed in the good works. We, uh, let, let, let me slow down just a moment and say this. We don't put our faith in how much we read the Bible. We don't put our faith in how many times we go to church. That's not going to guarantee us victorious results. I mean, you can read the Bible and get right up from your reading time and go on off and sin. You can come right out of the church door and fight with your husband or fight with your wife or fight with your children or your parents or you can, you can just do all kinds of sinful activity having been in church. So our faith is not in those objects. Our faith is not in fasting, even though fasting is a biblical thing to do, but it's something that needs to be produced in us by the Holy Spirit as He conforms us to the image of Jesus. Now, I asked you on a recent program, did Jesus pray? Well, of course He did. Did Jesus go to church? Absolutely. Did Jesus fast? You better know it. Did Jesus give? Did Jesus attend synagogue? Well, absolutely He did. So we should too. Remember at the beginning of this program I told you that His righteousness and His perfect law-keeping is credited to our account. When God looks at you, beloved, He sees you as perfect. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, you mean God doesn't see my sin? No, He sees them. Thank God, 1 John 1 and 9, if we 
confess our sins. He is faithful and just because of what Jesus did at Calvary. He is just. He is right to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But He sees us positionally as perfect, as sanctified, hallelujah, as justified and washed and cleansed. Get it in your mind. It's the Holy Spirit, the grace of God that produces the good works in you. You will do the good works. You, you will do them, but you haven't made a law out of them. Because when you make a law out of them, you will fail. You'll fail to do the things that you ought to do. You'll fail to have victory uh, in your heart and life as a Christian, these uh, Christian disciplines alone will not conform you into the image of Christ. It won't do it. Now, they're there as tools that the Holy Spirit uses to conform us to the image of, the, of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit uses prayer. He uses the Word. He uses church attendance, fasting, giving. The Holy Spirit <laughs> uses tests trials and tribulation to conform us into the image of Christ also. I know that's not according to today's modern gospel, but it is the truth nonetheless. The Holy Spirit uses a variety of methods, but this is the process of faith, uh, uh, this is the process of sanctification that God wants to institute in our lives. And if we will get into this process and this... this uh, outworking of the Lord in us, then we will end up where God wants us to be. So let me let me briefly go through it one more time. Man's fellowship with God was blocked because of sin. God, God cannot fellowship with sin. So God provided a sacrifice. And this is typified all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. When the when 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 God who loved us so much revealed our need for Him. He revealed Himself to us, our need for Him, and His provided remedy that we might be saved. And we placed our faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Fellowship was restored with God. God gave us grace and the help of the Holy Spirit. And in that process, there's an outflow. And that outflow is what we would call the Christian disciplines and the good works that the Bible says we are to be involved in. Now that's an outflow. This process is not simply for salvation only. Now this is the way you got saved, but this is also the way that we live by faith in our everyday life. This is not only the way we were justified before God, but this is the way we are sanctified that pro, uh, progressive sanctification in the Lord comes about by this process right here and no other process. Okay? So let's basically recap this little mini-series that we've done uh, on the cross of Christ. Okay? First of all, God's prescribed order of victory for you and for me as a believer. I don't care what we need. Uh, we might have temper problems. We might, we might have a problem with jealousy or lust or envy or uh, gossip. A whole lot of people got problems with gossip today. Amen? <laughs> and uh, everybody's got a problem with something. 
I don't care who you are or how good you think you are. There's something in your life that God wants to put you in this process about. Amen? Now, God's prescribed order of victory is the cross, our faith, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, as a believing sinner, I place my faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. My power source then becomes the Holy Spirit of God and the results will be victory. Okay? Now, I do not place my faith... My my focus is not works. My focus is not these works. Those will come by faith. My focus is not works. Because if it is, the object of my faith is personal performance. And then my power source, the only help I have available is self. And I don't care what the modern uh, psychological crowd would try to tell us, self cannot improve upon self. Self cannot improve upon self. But if if my focus is works, and the object of my faith is personal performance, now I'm under a lot of pressure right there. Self is my power source, and my result will be defeat, failure, inconsistency, and I'll just flat out lose the battle. Amen. So, one more time. We place our faith in what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. That guarantees us the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Holy Spirit will always bring us into victory in life. Hallelujah. Oh, there'll be some bumpy times. There'll be some tests and some trials. And hey, listen, great faith needs to be tested greatly, amen, so that that faith uh, can improve, can reach out further, can stretch the believer, hallelujah. And that's a God thing, amen? But you need to be aware of this process right here. Now, this is the fourth and final program that we're going to spend uh, on these particular diagrams. I hope and I pray that they've been a help and a blessing to your life. God has begun a good work in you. And He is faithful to perform it until we go home to be with the Lord. You see, one day, (laughs) hallelujah to the Lord forever. I'm looking forward to that day. The return of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. One day, this process will be completed and perfected in each of us. We will arrive one day at a glorified state. And it's in that hour, oh hallelujah, where we will no longer struggle with sin. We will no longer struggle with the object of our faith. Amen? But as long as we're in this flesh body, we're in this process right here. This is how we got saved, and this is how we get sanctified on a progressive basis. So, Beloved, by all means, whatever you do, whatever your goal in life, whatever your object as a Christian, you know, many Christians, it seems like they simply exist to talk about what they do for God and what can God 
give me, give me, give me, give me in the way of material blessings. And material blessings are important, but we sell God far short when we limit His blessings in our lives to material things. He wants to do so much more than that. And we need to understand what Jesus has done for us. That puts us on God's prescribed path. His ordered arrangement for our life. There's a scripture that says, the, step, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It's not so much that we just do whatever we might feel like doing and say we're living for God. Neighbor, I want to encourage you today to learn this process. Place your faith in the finished work of Jesus upon the cross. And, and, and let sanctification, let the Holy Spirit's purifying of you be your number one priority in life. You'd be surprised how it would change your values and the way you view and perceive things. Amen? Let's have a prayer, please. Father, I pray right now that You will bless this television audience, whomever they may be, wherever they may be. Father God, reveal to us all today the truth of Your precious and holy Word. Lord God, help us in this hour to yield to Your precious Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, do the great work in us today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. Well, it's been a delight to be with you. The Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Welcome to the Lem Paxton teaching series this week. Uh, today, uh, praise God, we want to talk to you for just a few moments on one of the many uh, aspects, or uh, we want to come at this from one of the many directions we could on a Bible word, a, a doctrinal word, a theological word that maybe you haven't heard before, maybe you have, sanctification. And we're, we're really just going to, we're not going to do this as a series, we just kind of want to give you a basic thought. Of course, we're not going to be able to answer every question, but we wish to give you a basic thought on uh, sanctification, what is it, and uh, uh, let me say at the beginning of this, um, there's two types of sanctification that I deal with a lot in my teaching. Uh, one is positional, positional sanctification, and that happens to you when you get born again positionally, you are sanctified. And uh, as you've heard me say many, many times, if you as a Christian, as a believer, will properly place your faith in the cross of Christ, that will guarantee you the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit and He will come into your life and continuously sanctify you or set you apart for God. He will continuously move within your being, changing you into the image of Christ, okay, in the, in your, in the Spirit. But at the same time, uh, that's called progressive sanctification. And there's a difference between our position and our condition. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But right now, let's read from the book of Romans, chapter 6, and let's read verses 1 and 2. Now I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible, Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin 
that grace may abound. You see, in Paul's day, there were some that were teaching, well, you know, we can just do anything we want to do because we, we have grace and grace will cover it. So it doesn't really matter how much we sin. Uh, we'll just go ask forgiveness and get us some grace and go on sinning. Paul said in the second verse, God forbid. That should not be the attitude of the Christian at all. As a believer, uh, you and I should want to get as close to the Lord as possible. But the thing about that is, we can't do it in our own self-efforts. We've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, these people were saying, shall we continue to sin so we can get us some more grace? Paul said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Okay? So, in other words, in a series that we did entitled What Jesus Did at the Cross, we talked to you about how man was born with the sinful nature, the satanic nature. He was born dead to God and alive to sin because of the fall. Now we've become Christians and because of the cross, our sin nature is crucified. But, the sin nature is not dead. We are dead to it. And God has left the sin nature in the life of the believer for specific reasons. And we may get into some of them here in this lesson. We may not. One reason that God leaves the sin nature uh, in a believer is so that the believer will continuously depend upon the Lord. And also it's a disciplinary measure. We are dead to sin but if we try to be an overcomer in flesh or self-effort, then the sin nature will roar back to life. If we take our faith off of the cross of Christ and put our faith into another object, the sin nature roars back to life. See? But the point and the fact of the matter is, is that we are dead to sin. So how shall we live any longer therein? You know, mankind has one major flaw that affects him negatively in all respects of life. And that is he's born with a sin nature. This nature has been passed down to every human being since Adam. Who obtained... Adam obtained the sin nature through an act of disobedience. And we've talked to you about that many times in the past. With Adam as the father of all men, uh, the human race is tainted by sin. The sin nature within man is his character, in essence, if you will. With the sin nature reigning like a king over man, acts of sin come so easily. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Acts of sin are produced out of man's sin nature. Now let's look at that a moment. You see, man sins because he is a sinner. He is not a sinner because he sins. Alright, let's, let's look at that again. Unredeemed man, man that doesn't know Christ, stands tainted. The sin nature reigning like a king uh, produces acts of sin. Although men like to think that they're in control of themselves, 
the sin nature has a far greater uh, grip on man, on unsaved man, than he realizes. The sin nature has a far greater influence on unsaved man than he dare realize. Now let's look for a moment at acts of sin compared to the sin nature. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to bring deliverance to the believer in two major areas. First, Christ's atoning work produced forgiveness in regard to acts of sin. Hallelujah. They are gone, the Bible says. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Praise the Lord. Never to be held against us again. God will never remind us of our sins again. Hallelujah. If they're under the blood. Because they're gone. They don't exist. As far as God is concerned. Praise the Lord. Faith in Christ's death at Calvary brings me freedom from the guilt and the shame of sins committed. However, Christ's finished work upon the cross also accomplish something for believers that the majority of today's Christians seem to be unaware of. Jesus Christ's death at Calvary broke the power of the sin nature within us. Remember I told you, the sin nature is not dead, the believer is dead to sin. In other words, as a Christian... As a believer in Jesus Christ, the sin nature is not supposed to have power over you. Okay? Because that power was broken at the cross. This means that the source of acts of sin was defeated at Calvary as well as the acts of sin. In other words, you could liken it this way. God not only defeated the product, but praise God, He shut the factory down that produces the product. Amen? It's the double, cur- the double cure for the double curse that plagued humanity. And it happened at the cross. Alright, now watch this. Let's say that the government of the United States declared a certain product illegal. In order to eliminate that product, they would have to send representatives of the government all over the country, you follow me, to remove that illegal product from every store shelf in the nation. However, if they did not bother to close down the factory that produced the illegal product, the same product would soon reappear. Okay? Now this is, this is an allegory. Follow me now. In this example, our acts of sin, our acts of sin are the product and the principle of sin. The sin nature is the factory. Amen? We need to understand, beloved, God's work in both of these areas. uh, Because if we do not, we can receive, we can receive forgiveness for our acts of sin yet not realize that we are free from the principle of sin. Are you following that? See, you always want to remember something. Free, uh, forgiveness is not deliverance. Forgiveness is not deliverance. We can be forgiven of a particular act of sin. 
But if we do not know how to deal with the sin nature, if we do not understand how to walk in the sanctification process, then we will remain slaves to sin. Why? Alright, it works somewhat like this. If I try to fight sin by things I do, I reignite the sin nature, I bring it back to life, roaring in me, producing more acts of sin. In other words, sanctification comes to the believer the same way salvation comes to the believer, by faith. In the, let, let me put it this way. When you got saved, you put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Okay, How did you get born again? When God saw your faith, He honored it and sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit did a work in you. And you became born again, a Christian, a follower of Christ. And that's exactly, beloved, the way that you as a believer are to be sanctified. And I think you can, you can read Colossians 2.6. Let, let's just see if we can go there. Yes, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye, there, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, in the same way you received Him, so walk ye in Him. In other words, that the same way you got saved, that's the way you live your daily Christian life. You put your faith in what Jesus did at Calvary, and He sends the Holy Spirit to change you, to mold you into the image of Christ, etc., etc. It's called sanctification. The believer must understand that Christ broke the power of the sin nature through His work on the cross of Calvary. If this is not understood, beloved, a horrible cycle of sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting will be your normal Christian experience, but it doesn't need to be. Hallelujah. That's why Paul asked the question, shall we continue to sin to get us more grace? We can have victory, amen, if we'll properly place our faith in what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to sanctify us. What does that mean? Set us apart for God. What does that mean? Bring our condition, the way we are living today, up to our position in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Hallelujah. In the original Greek, two things prove to us that Paul was discussing the sin nature and not simply acts of sin. First, in the Greek, the noun is coupled with a definite article. Second, the word is singular. Therefore, we are discussing the principle of sin. In other words, it should read, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in the sin? The sin. Meaning, shall we continue to allow the sin nature to control us, that grace may abound? That's the original Greek. Paul is asking here, shall we continually allow the sin to reign over us as a king, just like it did before we got saved? And of course the answer is, God forbid. Let me tell you something. There is a difference between a believer in Christ and an unbeliever. And that difference is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in the believer's heart and life, producing proper works from the believer. 
Always remember this. Proper faith will produce proper works. How do we know that your faith is properly placed? Because of the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in and through and with your life. Hallelujah to God forever. Amen. Now we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans chapter 6, there's three words that are tremendously important as it regards our sanctification. Number one, in verse 3, we have to know something. We have to know our position in Christ. Okay? Also in verse 6, there's something that we need to know. In verse 11, the Bible says that we need to reckon something. We need to account it as true that we are dead to sin, but we are alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So in other words, we have to know our position in Christ and we have to reckon, we have to count it as true that, hey, I am dead to sin. The sin nature does not have power over me. I choose Jesus. Okay? And then, in verse 13, is the word yield. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We, we, now, 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 let's go through this again, and let's see if we can get this picture correct in your mind and in your thinking today. We come to the cross, we receive Christ simply by faith. He, we are born again. We are to be sanctified by faith. Here's what it is. We go back to the cross. You see, beloved, the cross is not just simply for salvation, it's also for sanctification. So we go back to the cross uh, over whatever particular area in our life that needs to be dealt with by God. We go back to the cross, we properly place our faith in Christ's finished work. Then, God sends us grace, and He sends us the help of the Holy Spirit, which we so desperately need, and brings us deliverance, and brings us victory, and sanctifies us. That's God's solution. That is God's solution. It's, 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 it's three things. We've got to know something, we've got to reckon something, and we've got to yield to the Lord. Amen? And then we will be in process. We will be in process of sanctification. And several uh, weeks ago, maybe months by the time you're watching this, uh, I did a four-part series just on that process. And praise God, if you'd like to get a copy of that, we'll give it to you free. Uh, Just write to us and let us know. Yes, God broke the power of the sin nature at the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. You see, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was baptized into Him. Oh, hallelujah. Now, you know, it's not Len Paxton out here all on his own doing a bunch of religious stuff trying to be holy. No. I was baptized into Jesus Christ. Amen. I am in Christ. Hallelujah. Romans 6.2 says that I became dead to sin. At that time, when, when I made Christ the Lord of my life, Upon acceptance of Christ's finished work at Calvary, I was baptized into Christ's death and burial. And all of this, my dear friend, was done by faith. Amen? It's not not by works. It's by faith. Paul asked us in verse 3, Know ye not... Now, the way that should be read from the original language is, 
Don't you know this? Are you inclined not to know this? Are you disinterested in the fact that the power of the sin nature over your life is broken? That's that's the phraseology as it comes from the original languages. Believer friend of mine today, we must understand this concept. The reason that so many Christians do not have victory in their lives and are having some terrible, terrible problems is because they don't understand proper faith as it pertains to sanctification. Most people would understand it as it pertained uh, as it pertained to salvation, you would understand it. But as it pertains to sanctification, we don't understand it. So we have problems, and the sin nature roars back to life in the believer. We must account to ourselves every day, we must reckon every day, that the power of the sin nature is broken over my life because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. In so doing, beloved, we will experience the true Christian experience that is supported by the constant, uninterrupted flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, in a nutshell, that's a basic teaching on sanctification. And there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of different ways we can look at it. And that's why we do this television broadcast. If you've been with us uh, in past programs, we have already come at this issue from several different angles, and we will do so in the future. Because it's vital that we understand that everything we have as believers must be a result of faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. And why is that so important? And why do we say it over and over and over and over again? Well, repetition is the best teacher. And so many people in the church world today are simply teaching works. Many people teach works for salvation, but a whole lot more that don't teach works for salvation, but yet they do teach works for sanctification. But beloved, neither one of them comes by the law. They both come by grace and by faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. And that's God's solution. Amen? I like to say it this way. It's the cross, my faith, and the Holy Spirit. I put my faith in what Jesus did at the cross, and I receive the help of the Holy Spirit to to make me what God wants me to be. And that, in a nutshell, is sanctification. That is victory over sin. That is freedom in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And Jesus provided it for us at the cross. I'd like to pray with you right now. Usually... On this program, we give an altar call for people to become Christians and to give their heart and life to Christ. Today I want to pray for Christians. And I want to pray that you as a believer, that God would open up your understanding, that He would enlighten the eyes of your understanding, Paul said, to the fact of the finished work of Christ upon the cross. And let me encourage you 
to read Romans 6, 7, and 8 over and over and over and over again. And let the Holy Spirit deal with you and speak to you about this all-important subject. Let's pray, shall we? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my television audience right now. Lord, that You would pour out Your Spirit upon them, Father God. That You would reveal this great truth of the cross of the finished work of Calvary to each heart and life today, Father. Bless them, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. And reveal Yourself big to them, Lord. In the name of Jesus today, I pray. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, uh, we, 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 are going to bring, we are going to be bringing you many more of these type of of little uh, condensed teachings in the future. And I want you to tell somebody about this program. Tell a believer about this program. Tell an unbeliever about this program. Praise God. Let's study the cross of Christ. The message for the church in this hour is the message of the cross. Amen. Let's learn what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Before we go today, before we 